Today's message is brought to you from Saltpeter Community Church. For more information, visit us online at www.scc.life. Our religious belief, our theology, must be the lens through which we view death. We must see death for what it is as if we are standing upon our Bibles and looking through its pages. What you and I must know about death has to come not from experiences. What we know about death must come from the Bible. Paul says to the church, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those which are asleep, who don't know sorrow not as others who have no hope. Oftentimes I think about you. You. I think about what would happen if I wasn't here. If something would happen to me, what would you think like? I often think about what if something would happen to you? How would I think about those things? It wasn't just a few years ago that I lost my best friend and in a matter of just no time, uh, Otis dies and Sonia dies. And I wasn't prepared as a pastor to teach you how the Bible teaches, what the Bible teaches us about death. I wasn't prepared for that. But beloved, everyone experiences death. Everyone here, every single person here has had someone to die. Maybe it's been a brother. Maybe it's been your mom. Maybe it's been your dad. Maybe it's been your sister. Maybe it's been your friend. Maybe it's been a a child. And in the case of some, in our own congregation, maybe it's the case of children. Multiple. Beloved, we all experience death. Not only has death come close to our circle, but unless Christ returns soon, death will come to us all. We will all die. Unless Christ comes back, no one will escape death. Now listen close. The Bible teaches us in Romans 5, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, And death through sin. And so death spreads to all men. Because all have sinned. Now you can fiddle with your purse. And and you can get on your phone. You can put it out of your mind. And think that you can walk out of here. And that you ignoring the message. Will make it easier for you to get through the day. But you're not getting through the day. You're pushing back the inevitable. It sounds grim, doesn't it? That through one man, sin entered into the world. 
And because of that, death has passed to all men. And the question I want to ask you today is this. Do you think about death? I have a professor that said one time that you should study for your sermons every once in a while in a cemetery. Because it reminds you that you are not here forever. Do you think about death? I know you think about death. Oftentimes you ask me about it. How often do you think about death? Steve Jobs in an interview one time said that he thought about death every day. Remember this, our religious beliefs or our theology, we could say, our theology must be the lens in which we view death. It's going to come to your mind, but you must think about death in terms that the Bible dictates. The Bible must must lay out the framework for you to think through these things. We have got to the point in our lives where we think that everything must be quick and fast, microwaves and drive-throughs. But beloved, you need to think about these things. And in turn, you must ask the question, what do I believe about death? Well, this. We must believe what God has told us. Since God is faithful to His promises. Now listen close. Since God is faithful to His promises. Since He is sovereign over all. And since He cares for His people. We can experience death secure in the past, confident in the present, and hopeful for the future. Well, are you in Genesis 49? Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. Then He commanded them, verse 29, Then He commanded them, I'm about to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave in the field of Ephron, the Hethite. The cave is in the field of Machpelah, near Mamre, in the land of Canaan. This is the field Abraham purchased from Ephron, the Hethite, as burial property. Abraham and his wife Sarah are buried there. Isaac and his wife Rebekah are buried there. And I buried Leah there. The field and the cave in it were purchased from the Hethites. When Jacob had finished giving charges to his sons, he drew his feet into the bed, took his last breath, and was gathered to his people. Father, we ask you to remove every distraction. write this on our hearts ever before our minds in your son's name we pray and trust amen Jacob's dying it's kind of a sad story really Jacob had a, had a boy and his name was Joseph. You remember the story, don't you? And Joseph was thrown into the pit and, and then he was gone, had gone to Egypt where he had stayed a considerable amount of time in jail and then rose to prominence under Pharaoh. There was a huge gap there where he never sees his boy. 
But in God's kindness and providence, He brings Jacob and Joseph back together. It's a beautiful story. It's a story of faithfulness. It's a story of God's power and God making all things new. It's it's just a great story. Now they've spent some time together, but Jacob's old. And he's fixing to die. Here he is. He's far from home. He's so far from the land that was promised to his father. He's so far from the land that was promised to his grandfather. He would have never dreamed when he was a young boy that he would be in this predicament now at this time and stage in his life. And some of you can say the same thing. Some of you can say, I never dreamed that I would be in the condition that I'm in today. Some of you can say, I never thought that at 39, at 79, at 89, that I would be in this shape. But beloved, we don't know what shape we'll be in when we get to the point of dying. It's probably a good thing we don't know. I want you to notice something. Since God is faithful to His promises, we can experience death secure in the past. Look with me. Verse 29. Then he commanded them, I'm about to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my fathers. Notice Jacob's dying words and the distinction that he makes for his sons and for us. Notice what he says. I'm about to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my fathers. Liberal scholars or or preachers that don't know any better will tell you this. That this is one thing. To be gathered to his people and to be buried with his father is two ways of saying the same exact thing. And that, my friend, is not correct. He's saying two separate things, Robert. Here's what he's saying. He's making a distinction. I'm about to be gathered to my people and bury me with my father's. Jacob understands that by faith he'll be gathered to his people. This is not immediately physical, for he makes it clear that his physical body is to be buried with his fathers. Gathered to his people means simply that he will be reunited with the others of faith in the afterlife. Amen. Notice this though, that this is by faith. He believes it. He's down to the end. And listen, for all of you uh, high school students, if you think you've made a mess of your life, read about old Jacob. (laughs) Read about Abraham and Isaac. These guys were rascals. And he's down at the end of his life. He's, He's taking his last breath. He's giving the command to his children. And he says this, I'm going to be gathered to my people. By faith he believes it. He stakes his life upon it. Though his past is littered with lies and deception, his faith is in the God who made him a promise. And we see this promise alluded to in the next paragraph or so. Notice what he says. Gathered 
to my people and bury me with my fathers. And then he goes on to give very, very, very specific instructions on where they are to bury him. Now, if if we had time to unpack all this, what I would do is take you to Genesis 23 when Abraham's wife Sarah was fixing to die. And she dies and he mourns and he stops and he says, I've got to find a a place to bury her at. He is amongst all these these foreign people. Uh, Abraham needs a place to bury his wife and he goes and he... Well, this text will tell you some of it. Bury me with my fathers in the cave in the field of Ephron the Hittite. Let me, let me say one more thing. Beloved, people of faith are gathered to their people. When you bury a Christian, when you take them out and plant them in the dirt, they are not there. Some of you have lost loved ones. Some of you have, have lost sisters and brothers and children that have died in the Lord. Though their body is taken to be buried at the local cemetery, at the family cemetery, that's all good things. But beloved, when you stand there and look at the monument, you're looking at the monument. That person in Christ is with Him. I will be gathered to my people. He wasn't talking about just family. <laughs> No, he didn't say that, Gene. He didn't say I'm going to be up there with my father-in-law. He didn't say that they're up there making biscuits and gravy in heaven waiting for me. No, he said I'll be gathered to my people. Who are these people? It's the people of faith. It's the same today. It's those who die in the Lord. Beloved, you can rest assured that when you stand at the cold, lonely grave. Oh, praise God. That is not the end. And though you may have never seen the person after they died, maybe there's some circumstances that you could not say goodbye. Oh, beloved, know this. There is coming a day when no heartache will come. Praise the Lord. No more cloud in the sky. No more tear to dim the eye. All is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. I'm not trying to sell you something. I'm here to tell you what the Bible says. What God has told you. Jacob says, you know what? I'm fixing to die. I ain't making it out of here. I'm stuck. I'm in Egypt. I'm far from what was promised to me. But I trust Him. Amen. But I trust Him. Notice He's very specific on where He wants to be buried. Here's what He says. In the cave in the field of Ephron the Hethite. The cave is in the field of Machpelah near Mamre in the land of Canaan. And He's given specific instructions. My younger friends, they didn't have GPS. He couldn't put in a, an address in Google and take him there. No, he's, he's given specific instructions. There's a piece of land hundreds of miles away that you've got to get to. Think about this for a second. What if I told you that there was a grave in Missouri that you needed to take me to? With, with, with no highways, with no road signs. Specific instructions. Notice what he says. This is the field Abraham purchased from Ephron the Hethite as burial property. 
That's, that's, that's Genesis 23. Abraham and his wife Sarah are buried there. That's his, great grand, or that's his grandpa and his grandma. Isaac and his wife Rebecca are buried there. Who's that? Huh? That's his mommy and daddy. I buried Leah there. Who's Leah? That's his wife. Notice though. Notice that Rachel's not buried there. But through through Leah, there's going to come a son promise. Leah had a boy, and his name was Judah. He says, there is where, where my family's buried. This is where I want you to take me. He's very specific. It's not by chance that he's specific. The field and the cave in it were purchased from the Hethites. They were, it was purchased. This land was promised to them. And yet, Abraham paid for it. Notice, though, flip over with me to Genesis chapter 12, real quick. Genesis chapter 12, verse 7. And here's what it says Genesis 12, 7. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Did you notice what the Lord promised him? To your offspring I will give this land. This land that they're talking about here is all around where this burial site is. Actually, as a matter of fact, this burial site that Abraham is paying for, it is a part of the land that God promised to him. We'll look over in verse thir- or chapter 13 because you act like you don't believe me. Genesis 13, verse 14. After Lot had separated from him, the Lord said to Abram, Look from this place where you are. Look north and south, east and west, for I'll give you and your offspring forever all the land that you see. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that if anyone could count the dust of the earth, then your offspring could be counted. Get up and walk around the land through its length and width, for I will give it to you. That's a promise, isn't it? Look at Genesis chapter 15. Verse 18, On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, I give you this land to your offspring, from the brook of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates River. He goes around and he says, The land of the Canaanites and the Kenizzites and the Cadmonites and the Hethites and the Perizzites. Raphim, Amorites, Canaanites, Girgashites, and Jebusites. This land that all these people are living in, Abraham. I'm making a covenant to you. I'm making a promise with you. And here's what I'm saying. This is yours. Oh, but Jacob is in Egypt. Jacob's in Egypt and he's hurt. Jacob's in Egypt and his breath is shallow. Oh, beloved, but he might have been in Egypt, but he still believed the promises of God. And Jacob requests to be buried there as a signpost to his boys and to everyone that he believes in the promises of God. Why? Because he believes God. The question for you today, do you believe God? 
Church, God is faithful to His promises. And just like Jacob, we can experience death secure in the past, knowing that He will never go back on His word. We can experience death secure because He's faithful. Look with me, verse 33. When Jacob had finished giving charges to his son, he drew his feet into the bed. You know what that means? He lifted his feet up and put them in the bed. Took his last breath and was gathered to his people. Have you ever been by the bedside of someone that took their last breath? And here we find the old man dies. Listen to what Spurgeon said. He who had journeyed with unwearied foot fully many a mile was now obliged to gather up his feet into the bed to die. His life had been eventful in the highest degree, but that dreaded event came upon him which is common to us all. He had deceived his blind father in his youth, but no craftiness of Jacob could deceive the grave. He had fled from Esau, his angry brother, but a swifter and surer foot was now in pursuit from which there was no escape. He had slept with a stone for his pillow and had seen heaven opened up, but he was to find that it was only to be entered by an ordinary gate, the gate of death. He had wrestled with an angel and he had prevailed. At this time, he was to wrestle with an angel against whom there was no prevalence. He had dwelt in Canaan in tents in the midst of enemies, but now he must fall by the hand of the last enemy and feel the great avenger's sword. He put his feet into the bed and he drew his last breath. He dies. And notice what it says. He was gathered to his people. God makes sure that that narrative does not end without Him telling you, I am faithful. How was He gathered to His people, Chris? By God. Well, let's go on. So many things that I'd love to just stop and talk about, but we can't. Second thing I want you to see is since God is sovereign over all, we can experience death confident in the present. Now listen to me. Since God is sovereign over all, over all things, he's, He rules all things, we can experience death confident in the present. Isaiah 46 says this, Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purposes. God is sovereign. What do, you, what do you mean by that, Chris? God is God and besides Him there is none other. Now listen, it is not by chance that you're here with me today. It's not by chance that our paths have crossed, whatever they were, and, and we're all here together. It's, it's not by chance that you're sitting here with someone on your mind that has already passed on. It's not by chance that this week, that when you woke up a couple days even, you thought about, what is it like to die? It's not by chance that you're here. 
Beloved, God is sovereign over all. He rules and reigns on high. And because He does that, because He's God, because He's the Almighty, because He has all power on heaven and earth, because He's this, I can be confident when I experience death in the present. When death comes to my circle, when it comes to my parents, when it comes to my siblings, when it comes to my kids, whatever happens, I can be confident because nothing comes to me outside of God's control. Now look with me. Look with me in verses 1 through 3. Really quick, we're going to run through this section really quick. 1 through 3 of, of chapter 50. Then Joseph, leaning over his father's face, he wept and kissed him. Can you see it? The, the imagery here is that, that Joseph actually got up in the bed with him. Joseph gets on top of his dad and he weeps. Beloved, listen close to what I'm telling you. Mourning is never shunned in Scripture. Amen. I, I, I don't think that you heard what I said. Mourning for the dead is never shunned in Scripture. As a matter of fact, the ones that are most faithful are the ones who mourn over the loss of a loved one. And you don't believe me. But think back. Here, Joseph, the, really the example of faith, isn't he? He gets on top of his dad and he puts his face to his face and he cries. Listen to me. Mourning and grief was never designed to be delayed or dampened by medication or silly talk. If, if you as a Christian think that you cannot deal with the loss of a loved one, you do not turn to a substance to get you through the funeral service. You turn to the Bible. Grief, mourning is never meant to be delayed or dampened. Let me tell you something. No matter how silly you act in a funeral, no matter what silly songs you sing, it does no one any good. You say, Chris, that's harsh. You don't see the things I see. You don't see people five and ten years down the road that have absolutely no confidence in anything because it was absolutely trampled on during a funeral service. Now weeping may endure for a night. But joy comes in the morning. Listen to me. Face it head on. When your mommy dies. When your sister dies. 
When your grandma dies or when your friend dies, you face it head on. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You face it head on, not, not medicating yourself and not, not, not talking about silly, stupid things to try to, <laughs> we're going to laugh and get through this because we're, we're, we're not going to talk about that. This really didn't happen. No, you face it head on. Trusting in the promises of God. Amen. And notice it was for a period. He gets upon him, he kisses him, he, he cries, and then he commands his servants who are physicians to embalm his father. Now you're thinking, I knew he would get to the embalming part because he's an embalmer. This is not why I'm reading this text. But he embalms his father. He has his father embalmed. So they embalmed Israel. This is Jacob. They took 40 days to complete this, for embalming takes that long, and the Egyptians mourned for him for 70 days. Something you should know. If they had mourned for 72 days, that would have been for Pharaoh. What? Joseph gives his daddy a king's farewell. Royalty. 70 days they mourned for him. Look what happens. When the days of mourning were over, Joseph said to Pharaoh's household, he doesn't go to Pharaoh directly, he sends a message to him. If I found favor with you, please tell Pharaoh that my father made me take an oath, saying, I'm about to die. You must bury me there in the tomb that I made for myself in the land of Canaan. Now let me go and bury my father, then I will return. What's he going to do? Now think about Pharaoh for a second. Pharaoh's on the throne. What, is Egypt not good enough? We have the best burial practices in the world. I mean, we can, we can put you in a gold casket. We can, we can put you in a pyramid. This is the real deal. Why in the world would you want to go out in the woods and be buried? Would he be offended? Would he let him go? So Pharaoh said, verse 6, Go and bury your father in keeping with your oath. Then Joseph went to bury his father and all Pharaoh's servants. The elders of his household and all the elders of the land of Egypt went with him, along with all Joseph's family, his brothers, and his father's family. Only their dependents, their flocks, and their herds were left in the land of Goshen. Horses and chariots went up with him. It was a very impressive procession. When they reached the threshing floor of Atad, which is across the Jordan, they lamented and wept loudly. And Joseph mourned seven days for his father. When the Canaanite inhabitants of the land saw the mourning at the threshing floor of Atad, they said, this is a solemn mourning on the part of the Egyptians. Therefore, the place is named Abel Mizraim. It is across the Jordan. So Jacob's sons did for him what he had commanded them. They carried him. Now the, the Egyptians have stopped and his, his family, now his boys, are carrying him. What does this sound like to you? It sounds like the Christian funeral, does it? Well, for one of you, it does. Maybe some of you should go to a funeral more often. This sounds like the Christian funeral. Who, who carries the casket? That's Paul Bears. They carried him to the land of Canaan and buried him in the cave at Machpelah in the field near Mamre, which Abraham had purchased as a burial property from Ephraim the Hethite. Do you notice he's repeating himself again? After Joseph buried his father, he returned to Egypt with his brothers and all who had gone with him to bury his father. Notice this, that those people in Canaan looked and watched this funeral. Beloved, the world is watching funerals. The world is watching your funeral. And it's watching how you bury your dead. 
The Christian funeral is to be pointing to something more than the person in the casket. It should be pointing to the people of God, to the one. It should point the people of God to the one who is sovereign over all, and it should build up their confidence in the scriptures. This is what this funeral does. They pack him out of Egypt. There's a huge funeral procession going to this place, and everybody's reminded we are we do not belong in Egypt. We have a land that's been promised to us. A reminder, a reminder, a reminder. God's past promises, He is always faithful to keep them. But also, He is sovereign over all things. I wonder what it did for Joseph's faith to walk out of Egypt with his dad and to walk through the land that had been promised to his father. I'm almost done. Look at verse 15. I, I've got to finish this chapter. Verse 15 says, When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said to one another, If Joseph's holding a grudge against us, he'll certainly repay us all the suffering we caused him. Joseph's going to get us back. We, we did him wrong, and he was just playing nice because daddy was living. I can't believe that families would argue after a funeral. <laughs> Do you know why families argue after funerals? Now listen, some of you are going to get mad at me right now, and that's perfectly okay. But the reason that families get mad after a funeral because they do not trust God. God does not depend on an inheritance. God is the inheritance. Well, let's go on before I offend anyone. So they sent this message to Joseph. They didn't go to him. Before he died, your father gave a command. Notice what they said. Not our father, your father. Before he died, are they lying? Probably. Like father, like son. And say this to Joseph. Please forgive your brother's transgressions and their sin, the suffering they caused you. Therefore, please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of our father. Joseph wept when their message came to him. Joseph, you are better than your brothers. His brothers also came to him, bowed down before him and said, we are your slaves. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Listen, listen. God is sovereign over all. Therefore, I can be confident in the present no matter what has happened. You planned evil against me. God planned it for good to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. Therefore, don't be afraid. I will take care of you and your children. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Since God is sovereign over all, we can experience death confident in the present. Beloved, no matter what, he's faithful. Last couple paragraphs and let's finish. 
Isn't that something, though, that he didn't hold a grudge? And he said, I'll protect you. I wouldn't be uh, a very good preacher if I didn't remind you of something. We have a brother that we have that has every right to be offended by our actions. But he's not offended by our actions. No, he's forgiving, kind. And he says to us, I'll take care of you. And he comforts them. And he speaks kindly to me. When I fear my faith will fail, he will hold me fast. Since God cares for His people, we can experience, experience death hopeful for the future. We've talked about uh, God's faithfulness. We've talked about God's sovereignty. And those are beautiful things. But beloved, I want you to know this. God loves you. God cares for His people. Look what happens. Joseph and his father's family remained in Egypt. Joseph lived 110 years He saw Ephraim's sons to the third generation. Wow. The sons of Manasseh's son, Machir, were recognized by Joseph. Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die, but God will certainly come to your aid and bring you up from this land to the land he swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Although Joseph saved millions of people from death by starvation by executing God's plan to stockpile the food in Egypt, he could not save himself from death. No matter how big and bad you are, I went to a basketball game the other night. That boy back here plays basketball, I think. I went to a basketball game the other night. And I watched those boys run up and down that court and I thought, I think I can do that. And then Mikey was playing in the band, and that's that's where I was when I was in school. And they never called me to come up there and play. I was very offended. But you know what I did? I grabbed some drums and walked off the the top up there to take them back to the band room. And I got my finger hung in the uh, cymbal stand, and it still hurts. You know what that is? It's a reminder. You can't do it, boy. It's a reminder that the things that you once could do, you can't do them anymore. Those aches you feel when you get up in the morning, that natural alarm clock that wakes you up about 3.30, it's a reminder that you are not as young as you used to be. Joseph, full of life, led Egypt He kept the world from starving to death. But he could not hold back death to come into his own body. But he makes a promise. Look what he says there.
I'm about to die, but God will certainly come to your aid. He repeats it again. So Joseph made the sons of Israel take an oath. When God comes to your aid, He knows it's going to happen. He's put His faith and trust in God. When God comes to your aid, you are to carry my bones out of here, up from here. Joseph died at the age of 110. They embalmed him and placed him in a coffin in Egypt. Why will God come to their aid? Because Abraham was their great-grandfather? Was it because that, that they lived good lives? That they always did what was right? Was it because of Isaac or Jacob? Was it because they, they lived perfect lives? No. Because they are His people and He is faithful to the end. Amen. And He always cares for His own. Verse 25 repeats His confidence in a caring God that loves Him. Verse 26, there's two interesting things that you should note. Number one, there is no funeral mention for Joseph. Liberal scholars will tell you, well, by this time in Joseph's life, the Pharaoh had already died and, and he probably wasted away and didn't have no money. I don't believe it. And beloved, there is no casket. There is a casket on display. That's it. For 400 years, Joseph lays in a casket. Oh, that's not Joseph. That's his bones. They place him in a coffin in Egypt as a reminder that there is hope for a better land. Beloved, I'm here to tell you today this. Just like Abraham, there has been a land promised to you. Come on. <laughs> oh yeah, God's faithful. God's promised you a land. If you put your trust and hope in Him. Revelation 21 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling, dwelling place is now among people, and He'll dwell with them. They'll be His people, and God Himself will be with them, and He will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death. There'll be no more mourning. There'll be no more crying. There'll be no more pain for the old things are passed away. There is a land promised to you and it's not Canaan. It's the new heaven and the new earth. And He is faithful to His promises. Beloved, you can, you can die secure in the past. You can experience this secure in the past because He's always been faithful and He made you a promise and He will keep it. But beloved, there's more to this than that. Just like Joseph and his brothers stuck in a land of bondage. Beloved, God is sovereign over all and you can be present right you can be confident right now in the present. Why, Chris? Why? Because if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. You were in bondage in sin. You were stuck in a foreign land. As a matter of fact, beloved, you are still stuck in a foreign land. You remember what it said? We are sojourners and strangers in this country. But you know this, that God is sovereign over all. And you can be confident in whatever happens in your life. Why? Because He saved you and He will keep you to the end. Maybe you're confused about the fairness of your life. Maybe you're confused about what death has done to your life. 
Beloved, be confident in God's strong hand because He saved you from sin, He's keeping you now, and He will take you all the way to glory. Lastly, beloved, for you and me, there is no coffin set up at Saltpeter. There is no coffin that we look to. Those Israelites for 400 years would walk by that coffin and see there's Joseph's bones. There's Joseph's bones. It was a reminder to them. It reminded them that there was a better land. Ah, oh, beloved, there's not a coffin to help us or to remind us that, that there's hope. There is an empty tomb. There's an empty tomb that screams to you that there is hope. Jesus has went through death and He's come out on the other side relatively unscathed. He has conquered death. I don't think you get it. Because if you got it, then you would be acting like me right now. (laughs) Beloved, we have an elder brother. And we don't look for his bones. Now we look at an empty tomb because he has conquered it. You have nothing to fear. Because Jesus went and he drank the bitter cup. Romans chapter 5. I'll close with this. I, I read you this text earlier. Therefore, just as sin entered into the world through one man and death through sin, in this way death spread to all people because all of sin. I read that and I stopped. Come on. But the gift is not like the trespass. <laughs> For if by the one man's trespass the many died... How much more have the grace of God and the gift which comes through the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflowed to the many. And the gift is not like the one man's sin. Because from one man's sin came the judgment, resulting in condemnation. But from many trespasses came the gift, resulting in justification. You say, Chris, I don't understand that. Since by one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive the overflow of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? What is my only hope in life and death? It's that I'm not my own, but I belong both body and soul, both in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. The death is coming to us all by one man. It's coming right head on. Ah, but for the Christian, for the one who puts their hope, the good news of the gospel says this, He lived the life you couldn't and He died the death you deserve. He has been raised for your justification. And now, when you go to sleep in Jesus, that doesn't mean that your soul's sleeping. It means you rest comfortably in the finished work of God's Son, you'll be gathered to your people. Do you believe it? Ah, let me ask you a better question. Do you believe Him? Today's message was brought to you from Saltpeter Community Church. For more information, visit us online at www.scc.life